Jesus is alive and well. And we're going to be continuing today. And the topic today is, now you see me, now you don't. Kind of sounds like hide and go seek in a sense. Now you see me, now you don't. But we're going to see where Jesus is seen by these two men. We're going to be talking about the burning of our hearts. The burning in our heart for the Spirit of the Lord. Is the word alive and well in our hearts? Are we burning with that desire? Are we burning with that zeal to be out there and sharing and someone see the difference in our lives? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for today, Lord. I thank you for each and every one that's here today. I pray, Father, that you would bless them as you speak to us all, Lord. As I put the study together, Lord, you spoke to my heart. It spoke more to me than maybe to some in here, Lord. But I would pray, Father, that I would be a, a, a mouthpiece to bring forth your word. And Lord, that it would apply to our lives and that it would not fall on deaf ears and that we would apply it in each and every aspect of our lives. And Lord, that we would have that burning zeal, that desire to be in your word and not look other places for that fire, but know that we can find it in your word, Lord. Bless us this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 24, verses 28 through 43, we'll be covering today. Once again, now you see me, now you don't. It's kind of like a little catchy blurb there, but um, we're going to see how Jesus really revealed himself through his scripture. The blindness was off of their eyes, and they could see him, and then he vanished. Verses 28 through 29. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he, being Jesus, indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. He indicated that he would go farther. Jesus will go right alongside of us and go as far as he needs to go for us. He would have just kept on going, but they were ready to take a break. They were ready to stop for the day. And Jesus, being the gentleman, come right alongside of them and did not force his presence on them at all. Jesus will never force his way into our situation. He will walk with us, but he will not force himself on us. It takes us to call upon him to meet us in that time of need. Sometimes we want to take our situations and do it ourselves, and we fall constantly. As we read last week here, there were two disciples walking and Jesus in the midst of them, and they didn't even realize it. Sometimes we don't know that Jesus is right alongside of us. There's times it's like, I'm going to do it. A lot of you know me. I'm hard-headed. I want to do things my way. And God reminds me, Dan, you're a knucklehead. And he's got to take control. And sometimes I'm quick to listen to him. And sometimes I'm running faster than I should be. And I fall flat on my face. But they constrained him or inhibited him. Now, I don't picture them grabbing a hold of them and saying, go this way. But maybe just the encouragement, you know what? We're tired. We're going to go in. We're going to rest. Shows that even though they didn't know it was Jesus in their midst, but they wanted to spend time with them. They could have just let him keep on going. At this time, they didn't know it was Jesus. Still blinded to the Spirit. But he said, they said, come in with us. We want to spend more time with you. In John 14, 23, it reads this, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, 
he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Talking about coming in and making their home with them. And then we know Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with thee. See, these are verses that remind us that all we got to do is ask. We just open that door. I know on Wednesday when you're going through Revelation, you know, Dave was talking about the door, the door of opportunity, evangelism, the door that is open to all of us. Well, here we're talking about where he came in and dined with them. They, they just realized that they needed to spend time with them. Sometimes we'll go through a circumstance where we know that we need Jesus there, but we just we don't invite him in. We try to hide things, or maybe we just, you know, we can do it. We can do it on our own. And Jesus is just saying, all you got to do is open that door. You know, he doesn't pound on the door in, in, in like, violence in a way to force himself, but he, it's gentle. It's a gentle spirit, a loving spirit. He's a gentleman. He gives us exactly what we ask for. I will go in and eat with him, and he with me. With Christ on the outside, there can be no fellowship for genuine wealth. With Christ on the inside, there is wonderful fellowship and sharing of the marvelous grace of God. Not on the outside, on the inside. This raises the important question concerning the degree of one's intimate fellowship with Christ. To those who respond, Christ promises to give the right to sit sit with him on the throne and share in his victory. It's a personal invitation. Verses 30 through 32. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. Their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us. They were on the road for how many miles? Seven. Very good. And in seven miles, he went through 300 prophecies. Man, he must have spoke really quickly to grasp that. But yet, in that time, they felt the presence of him, and it taught him. He taught him and shared the things about him the things that they doubted. Their eyes were open and they knew him. Man, I think about when I first gave my life to the Lord. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was like, like, wow, where have you been? Right here, waiting for you. Waiting for you. What was it that showed them it was Jesus? Was it the way he took and broke bread? Or was it him showing the nail prints in his hands and feet. Was it that that they saw? Or was it just the spirit that just came over him and removed those blinders for him? Could have been both. Jesus can be right in front of us, walking with us, sitting with us, praying with us, but we don't even know he's there. We don't even, we don't even know he's there. We don't have that burning, that desire of the Holy Spirit coming over us. We therefore should pray that God will open our eyes to see Jesus as he is, as being with us all the time. All the time. 
He vanished from their sight. That would blow my mind. As soon as their eyes were opened to who Jesus was, they left, he left miraculously. And they both said what was on their hearts. Their hearts burned as they heard him speak and teach. Verse 32 says, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked? God's word can have the same effect on our heart, even when we don't know that it is Jesus working within us. When I was putting this study together, sometimes you can have too many tools. You can have too many commentaries. You can have too many books. And a lot of times I'll have them all out on there, and I'm, I'm sure Morio's kind of he's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know, John Corson, his commentary's in three books. It's a lot easier to look up on the computer. But sometimes we've got to just close those books and let the Word of God speak to us. Because it's truly the truth of God that is inspired through the Word not through the commentaries. The commentaries are there to help us, help us understand maybe something that's confusing. But it's when the Word of God that just totally speaks to us. Sometimes I just got to close all those books and just meditate on that. And the beauty of doing that is it just comes alive. Scripture comes alive. And it could deal with a situation you're dealing with today or tomorrow, or it can be a burn for next year in your lives. It's alive. Commentaries are great. There's great books out there, but you've got to come to the Word of God. Have you ever had that burn in your heart when you are in His Word, that desire where you just want to keep on going? You know, when I'm working on the study and stuff and God just speaks to me, I come running from... We got like an attached apartment. That's my office. That's where I, that's my man came. And I come running in the house and I'm excited. And my wife just looks like, what's wrong with you? What's going on? You know, or Danny's like, what are you doing? Man, I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up about this message. I get excited. Really? Okay. That's the way we should be. You know, we can cheer on our football teams. We can cheer on our baseball teams. But you know what? Whether we're cheering for them or not on the TV, they don't hear you. You ain't helping them any. But when we're cheering about God and exciting, there's nothing like it. Even when they didn't know it was Jesus, they didn't believe he was risen from the dead. Their hearts still burned because of the ministry of God's word and of Jesus. The living word of God, God's word as the powerful. But man's word is not powerful and full of wisdom. It's the word of God. Neither of them knew the other's heart burned until Jesus left. You know that phrase, absent makes the heart grow fonder? Comes to mind there. Here it was that Jesus left, and then they confided in each other. And then they realized both of their hearts were burning. Sometimes we don't want to share what God's doing in our lives because we might think someone's like, you're a Jesus freak. Praise God, I am a Jesus freak, amen. I'd rather be a Jesus freak than, I don't know, have some other brand or title that's out there. But yeah, sometimes we don't want to share that. But when our heart, when we're left alone, sometimes that's where we grow the most. Scripture tells us to have a prayer closet. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, I was living with a roommate, and I relied on his faith. Anybody ever do that? You have someone, and they, you know, you just like kind of cruising on their coattails. It wasn't until I moved out and he moved out that I grew. And I realized that I was actually cruising around with him 
and feeding off of his faith and feeding off of what he had to offer and his words instead of the word of God. That's when I grew. After that, they could have a sweet fellowship. They're burning hearts together. There's nothing like it. I believe one of the reasons Jesus left was so they would love one another and minister to one another. Fellowship with one another. They were one in the spirit. Did not, did not our heart burn within us, they say? So we too have one heart because we are in the word together. Being with the Lord together, we are one as a body, as one in his presence. On the greatest needs of the church today is having that enthusiasm and the burn. Today we find that churches do not have that. They're lacking. And they're turning away from the word of God. And they're not staying focused on the true truth that we're supposed to be led by. They're taking the word, they're watering it down, and they're misinterpreting it. And we're finding that a problem in the church. We need the word of God more today than we ever did. What these two men still possessed... A love for their Lord. Their hearts were broken and shattered. They spoke of Jesus with fondness. They still believed in him, though. Perhaps no longer as the Son of God. They called him the prophet, mighty indeed, and the word before God and man. They had forgotten his own prophecies. He, he told them how he had to be killed. But on the third day, he would rise. He told them they destroyed his temple. He would rebuild it in three days. They acknowledged that this was the third day. What they lacked? An understanding of the words of Jesus. Because he didn't do things the way they expected and wanted, they were defeated. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want God to answer my prayers this way. I want God to take me down this path. And sometimes that path is that wide and fat path instead of the narrow path. Christ wants us to be on that narrow path. A lot of you know that I ride, um, do road biking and stuff, and when you ride up here, it's dangerous. You've got that wanton white line, and if you go over that, man, you could get hit real bad. And I've seen some mirrors come at my head pretty close from you know these big trucks and stuff. We've got to be on that narrow path. Because anytime we walk out from that narrow path, we're setting ourselves up. It takes us out of fellowship. It takes us out of that burning that our hearts should be having. He told them that they just, I'm sorry, what they lacked was an understanding. But how often we make the same mistake. We feel the Lord should be doing things a certain way, and it's not our way. They lacked hope. They had hoped that he would redeem Israel. How miserable things become when hope is gone. They lacked a clear vision of Jesus. Their eyes were restricted. They were blind to it. Even though they had all the prophecy, all they had to do was think back to what they saw and what they witnessed. They lacked that fire, that burning in their heart. They had lost their enthusiasm. How desperately the church needs that enthusiasm. Why Jesus came to them, we wonder. To rekindle the fire in their hearts. To reveal himself in a way that they had no choice but to believe. 
Without hope and enthusiasm, life can be weary and drab. That's what we saw last week. How did he light the fire? By teaching them the word of God. The word of God is where the fire comes from. Beginning with Moses, he went through all the scriptures that referred to him. 300 prophecies from birth, life, death, and his resurrection. When did their hearts begin to burn? Why was touched? talking with them and opening up the scriptures. It was not until he started sharing the scriptures that their hearts burned. We may talk about the past when our hearts were aflame. Maybe today our hearts aren't aflame. What is it? What is it that has taken away that flame? How do we restore that burning heart? Not by talking about it with each other. Not by trying to find a place where the fire is. A lot of times we go out looking for the fires. Up here we don't look for the fires. We we want to make sure there is no fire. But in our hearts we, we rely on other things. Circumstances that give us that fire. There are many artificial fires out there for us. Before I knew the Lord I used to try and buy happiness. I'd buy material things. Then they, you know, you get to the point you don't like it anymore. You get rid of it. You get something else. And it always filled that void. We see all these movie stars and these singers and they have all what they need but they're still lost because they don't have Jesus. We all have that hole in our heart that only Jesus can fill. I would keep on buying things and get rid of them and it was empty. There was no void. It wouldn't fill it. I had no burn in my heart whatsoever until I asked Jesus into my heart and then the fire was set. Let the Lord open up the scriptures to your heart. Get alone with them and in the word. Yearning. <laughs> it wasn't me, honest. <laughs> Yearning and hungering for more of Christ ought to be the passion of our lives. Having more inflamed with desire for him. We need to search him. And we need to search him with our heart, not our mind. You know, it's the transformation that happens from your mind to your heart. They say it's 18 inches. It's not until Jesus comes alive in your heart that he takes over and you have that zeal. When I was doing my study, I came across this blurb that was in there. And I just read it and it really spoke to my heart. And it was, I can't understand God by feelings. I can't understand the Lord Jesus Christ by feelings. I can only understand God the Father and Jesus Christ by what the Word says about them. God is everything the Word says He is. We need to get acquainted with Him through the Word. A lot of times we count on our feelings, our emotions. And it's not, it's not the feelings, it's not the emotions that we learn about what He's going to do for us and it truly radiates in our heart and speaks to our heart until we're in the Word. It's not those warm, fuzzy feelings. That's how we restore a burning heart. That's how their hearts were restored by Jesus in the scriptures. In verses 33 through 35, it says, So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road. And how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. 
So here it is. They rose up in that very hour with probably some real good excitement. Like, yes, let's go tell everybody. After a seven-mile hike, walk, probably took a long time because they weren't refreshed by the Spirit. They're walking and moping along. But I bet they're racing and running now. I know when we're doing um, our bike rides, whether it's 60 miles or whatever, when it gets close to the end, we're motivated. Yes, we can finally quit. And we get off our bikes and we're all sore and stuff. But here it is with enthusiasm. They're running back faster than they came because they can't wait to share with them. They tell the good news. I'm sure they're out of breath with enthusiasm. (laughs) You won't believe it with excitement. Kind of like when your kids come running in after playing or something like that. You wouldn't believe it. That excitement. That excitement that they should have and we should have. The Lord is risen indeed as he has appeared to Simon. They had mutual confirmation. And on the resurrection of Jesus, though the risen Jesus was not physically in their midst, his resurrection had been confirmed by more than two witnesses. We look at verse 34, it says, He was seen by Peter. Jesus made a special resurrection appearance to Peter. See, we remember that Peter blew it. He denied Jesus how many times? Three. Not once, not twice, but three times. And what this shows is he came, it doesn't say much about the visit, but I'm sure it was to inspire him, to come alongside him and say, let's get your heart burning. And then Peter went on further to preach the word of God and do mighty things in God's name. See, sometimes we feel like we've blown it. Jesus will seek us out first and foremost and meet us individually. He'll come alongside of us and he'll build us up just like he did Peter. I'm sure Peter felt really bad afterwards, blowing it. But Jesus encouraged him. 36 to 43. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that he had, been, had seen the Spirit. Boo! Like, ah. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that is, that is myself. Handle me. And see, for the spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? (laughs) So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate in their presence. Amazing. You got anything to eat? He's like so calm, cool, and collective. Now, personally, I wouldn't have wanted the broiled fish. I would have rather had sushi. But, you know, that's just me. But here he is, he's, you know, in the midst of all this, he is just so calm. You got anything to eat? Let's, break, let's sit down and break bread. That was, it's like when we have someone over to our house. You know, we love to fellowship. We love to have people over. We like to entertain. And usually, maybe just in our house, but that's the week that your house is the cleanest. You know, you're like, oh, got to push this in the closet. you got to do this and that. And you're like, oh, look. 
And then I put my foot in my mouth and said, man, how come our house can't look like this all the time? <laughs> and it's usually my piles that are getting shoved to the side. But we like to entertain. We love to have people over. We love to fellowship. Break bread. That's how Jesus was. It was like a, a common time where they could just sit down and relax. You know, we like going on picnics and things like that. The couple's group went on a bike ride and then had some Italian food. What a blessed time. Just, just hanging out with each other in fellowship. And that's what Jesus is doing here. Kind of thing to eat. I like that. I like to eat. It's a good time. Peace to you. These were words with new meaning to them at this time. Now that Jesus had risen from the dead, now true peace could come between God and man and among men. Handle me and see. Look. Look at the holes in my hands. Look at the holes in my feet. Look and see. Jesus wanted to assure them that his resurrection body was real. Physical body. He wasn't some ghost or phantom. He didn't just, gone. This totally is different from what we read in John 20, 17, where it says, Jesus saith, speaking to Mary, unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. See, the thing is, Mary comes up and he says, touch me not. But see, in the Greek it means, do not cling. Cling to me and not let go. See, Mary lost Jesus once, and there was no way she was going to lose him again. So it was like a death grip on him. And she wasn't going to let him go. Cling and not let go. This was totally different than that time. Also, one might believe that this was the first example of faith without seeing Jesus physically. See, today we have to have faith in Jesus Christ. We have to have that faith. We can't physically touch him, but we can feel his presence. He speaks to us if we're sensitive to his spirit. But here it was, Mary could not touch him. He showed them his hands and his feet. The only thing man made in heaven are the holes in his hands and feet. That's the only thing in heaven that man has made. Is perfect. Why do you remain? They want to know why. First, to identify himself. It was the nail prints that were shown to Thomas, showing proof of his resurrection and the depth of his love. Doubting Thomas. How many of us have been doubting Thomases? I don't believe you're real. Prove it to me. And we kind of put ultimatums. If you do this, I will promise I'll do this. Show me. You show me. I'm going to try you. Like, do we really try Jesus? Do we? We're going to try you out, take you for a test drive, and if you don't do this for me, then I'm not going to believe. But see, he went to doubting Thomas and says, "Look, touch me." Second, to identify with us that life hurts and is painful. We are so often to say we can't handle it anymore. Jesus says, "Look at my hands and feet, and remember, I know the pain you are experiencing and facing." When you feel you can't stand anymore, look at my feet. I know what you're going through. I understand. You might be sitting here today thinking, okay, if Jesus loves me this much that he would die in my place, 
takes these nails and prints for eternity, then why am I going through what I'm going through? I've been there. I wonder, why? Why, Lord? Why do I go through this? If I'm really in his hands and in his heart, then why are, we, are these things happening to me? It's so we draw near to him and have that unique intimacy with him. And our mature, we mature in our relationship with God through these challenges that we go through and face. In Philippians 3.10 it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. We don't just suffer so we can identify with Christ, but also we can identify with others. So many times we can take our testimonies and we can be there for somebody else. Maybe someone else God puts in our path that is going through the same thing we've gone through. Maybe you've lost your job and the Lord has blessed you with a great job and then someone comes alongside. It happens all the time. Our testimonies are what witnesses to other people by what we go through. The people that we are closest to are not the ones we laugh with but they're the ones we cry with. If we have a close relationship with someone, we cry with them because we know that they're going to be there for us, that's going to comfort us, and that we've been there for them. The Father says, if you really want to know me, it requires the fellowship of suffering. The suffering. They still not be- did not believe for joy and marvel. Their disciples were completely convinced that Jesus rose from the dead. But they had had a hard time accepting it because it seemed too good to be true. See, if we think about it, when we share Christ with people, sometimes they say it's too good to be true. It's a free gift. And they just turn from it. It is a free gift that is given to us and we can't do anything to deserve it. It's called grace. And the thing is, it's sometimes so simple that we make it so complicated and so difficult. But it was their confirmed belief in the resurrected Jesus that gave them power, enough to change the world and courage enough to die for their convictions. Will we die for our convictions? You know, we see what's going on in this world and it's sad. People are dying every day for Jesus Christ and for their beliefs. Verses 42 and 43, as a demonstration of this, he ate in their presence. In most of Jesus' resurrection appearance, he eats with the disciples as a person of flesh and blood, not as a spirit, but in, per, in relationship as physical, flesh and bones. Have you experienced that Jesus burn? Do you know what it's like to feel God's presence in your body and in your heart? Perhaps your heart has been warmed by God's peace or you have felt the Spirit's blessing or anointing when you're being prayed for seeking God. There's times when we're just in prayer and we feel the presence of the Lord come on us or we see the Lord work in a situation. Maybe you have lost kids and you pray for him, you pray for him, you pray for him. You're like, man, Lord, aren't you hearing me? And then all of a sudden, they show up at a Bible study somewhere else, and they accept the Lord. 
That's beauty. That's God's love working. That's your prayers going out. That's a burn in someone's heart that is receiving Christ. Or maybe you've encountered His Spirit in a community prayer or worship filled with a deep longing for Jesus and more of Him. Do we, do we long for that? Do we long for that des- decision to be in the Word? Remember that burn. Maybe you haven't felt that burn before. Or maybe you're not feeling it now. Maybe you need to be in the Word more. We need to be in the Word daily. You know, we constantly remind, well, I do in the junior high and the high school, you've got to be in the Word every day. You've got to have a devotion. And Scripture reminds us to do it in the morning before our day becomes chaos. Be ready. Put on the full armor of God. Be ready for it. That only comes from the Word. Knowing the word. Maybe you just don't know Jesus. Maybe today you're sitting here today and you, I don't know anything about this Jesus you're talking about. I've heard about him. Maybe you want him to come into your life. Today you can. Today you can be saved. Today you can restart that fire. Today you can have that burning zeal that we're talking about here. Maybe today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your spirit is working, tugging on our hearts. Wherever we are in our relationship with you, Father, I would pray that there would be a burning zeal. And, Lord, that that burning would be so on fire that we could not contain it. Lord, I would pray, Father, if there's anybody here that just needs a touch from you, Lord, they would come up for prayer, Lord. I would pray, Father, that uh, you would rekindle once did what was a flame in our lives, and now it's out. Maybe we've turned from the Scripture. We're relying on getting the Word somewhere else. Maybe we rely on hearing it on the radio or on TV. But it takes us to be in the Word, reading it, meditating on it, applying it to our lives. Lord, I give you this in your precious name. Amen.